Hello. 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 Hello, Clarice. Hello, and welcome to the shamanic ecstasy. <laughs> We're workshopping some new names. <laughs> <laughs> the shamanic ecstasy. The shamanic. So this the is only been, one. <laughs> so Nick is really pretty tolerant of some things, but. I'm a mail hoarder. Like, when mail comes in, I don't open it up. But I hold on to it, and I'm like, I'll get to this all at once. And then, like, I don't pay, you know, my medical bills on time. <laughs> but I usually get an email that's like, hey, if you pay it all off now, you get 20% off. So they're, like, rewarding my procrastination. <laughs> Anyways, um... That's a tangent, <laughs> I hoard I like mail. this is going to be a, a day of tangents. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Nick has taken to taking my mail to me and one piece at a time showing it to me <laughs> and like making me, confronting me with the hard, cold truth of my mail. Um, which once you like are past the age of 11 isn't fun. Getting mail isn't fun. It's, it's <laughs> Eight and a half by twelve inch business plastic window bullshit. It's all full of bad news. That's what mail is. Bad news. And then like once in a while you get like a birthday card or an invitation, but or you get the quarterly Kripalu oh. <laughs> magazine, which is a great joy of mine. And um he Nick anyways will hold my mail. He'll hold my Kripalu magazine ransom until I get through the rest of my mail <laughs> and sort it and throw it out and stuff. But the first thing I flipped open to is, welcome to the shamanic ecstasy. And I was like, I quit. I quit. I quit. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Shut it down. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks, guys. We're out here. It's been swell. <laughs> I just, you know, I love reading through... And it's just, like, so much of what's going on over there is lifestyle stuff, like, self, you know, it's just veered, it's taking a hard left away from yoga and a hard right mm. straight to holistic integration of self-realization and insert adjective adverb here. It's really frightening how quickly you can slip into not only that voice, but that the, the sentiment. <laughs> like, it, it really disturbs me sometimes. Like, are you secretly writing the Kripalu magazine and making, like, a small side fortune somewhere? <laughs> uh, well, that would be fun. I also like to, to squeech through. Squeech. It's a verb now. <laughs> I like to squeech through. By the way, I didn't absorb that compliment. Thank you. Noticing <laughs> my adeptness at impersonating what I imagine the unified voice of Kripalu might be. Fair enough. And it's a it's it's a fan of yogurt. Whoever this person is, they like yogurt. This is this was my we talked about this in another podcast when we were at Kripalu. Mm -hmm. I just kept feeling like we were walking around a probiotic commercial. <laughs> Um, so we gotta go back. Angela's coming here next year, so we don't have to go back. What? I don't know the details yet, but... Where is she coming? Just, not to a studio. Like, it'll be hosted. 
Really? Location, Where yeah. did you hear this? Um, I just hear You things. can't tell me? God damn things. it. He does this all the time. He knows, but he can't say. I'm going to eat my cookie and sit with that. <laughs> That's wonderful news. I like her. Yeah. She's great. Which is good, because I'm sort of going through it. I really don't like most things phase, but... With yoga, like that's where yeah. I'm at. That's the season we've entered, but but I, I I still I still adore Angela. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How's that coffee treating you? It's treating me really well. I got a little cashew milk in it. Your face is a little flaccid, so I'm gonna need you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried. So I had this really weird thing yesterday where I. Uh, had like all of the energy in the world. Like I was going strong and like getting things done till like 11 o'clock at night, like wasn't tired, just was like getting through stuff. And I woke up this morning and was like, Oh, that wasn't real energy. (laughs) That was was fake. I borrowed that from today. (laughs) Woke up so grumpy. You're such a fragile, energetic yeah, that's a problem. Thermometer. That's not what I wanted to say. You know what I mean? No, but it is the it is the trade off of like having the five day work week is like, hey, you're gonna have these three days and they're gonna be like back to back to back to back to back to back to back. And then you'll have two days that are a little bit lighter and then two days like it so it all works out at the end of the week. Um but this was I, yeah. When you're in it, though, it's... Yeah. And it wasn't even, like, a like a hyper, like, get things done. It was just like, no, I'm just chucking along. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then I'm gonna... I don't know. That's interesting. I don't know. I, I, I've i been thinking in terms of our burnout discussion, which we're mm-hmm. now going to have. We didn't announce that we had entered the burnout segment, but... But here it is. Clearly we have. <laughs> we need theme music for the burnout segment. Just, like, a little... or Or a, like... Inappropriate sound effect. (laughs) (laughs) It's gotta be something like fizzling. Um, I've been, you know, I've been like looking at my calendar and I'm still sick, which makes like the the schedule that I've currently designed for myself is, is presumes I'm healthy. You know, it's like, this is sustainable if all things are going well. Sort of, you know, but as soon as you add in a, a really athletic cold that sticks around, um, it's lifting weights, it's lifting weights in the basement. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like, just when you thought it was just when I thought it was over, it came back. Oh my God. I saw La La Land. Holy crap. Have you seen it? No. That's your assignment for this week is go see it so I can I talk to you about it. it. It's, oh, I have strong feelings about it. I just... I have a feeling I'm just going to hate it as you much are. as his last movie. Mm-hmm. You are. Um. Anyways, I but but I've been I've been noticing like that when I get you know by the end of the night I'm okay because it's over, but it's the moments in between you know things that I do in a given day. It's just the moments in between that are really hard. Yeah. Like once I'm there, once I'm in it. It's fine. 
it's just the breath. It's the yeah. transition in between where I come up for reality and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> See, that's how I felt all morning. I was like, I'm not going to get through this day. This is too much. And then I started with my first client and I was like, oh, I actually somewhat know how to do this. And once it's like rolling, it's not a problem. And it's just when you have Think a moment about to it. like, oh God. And there's more. And there's, there's more. more. To come. Um, yeah, I don't know. Still struggling with the whole what to do, how to, how to be. Yeah, I know. Yeah, don't touch it. I get it. I keep touching the microphone because it's like shiny. And it is shiny. And... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somehow comforting. I, I still am really struggling with the when is it okay to to call out sick or to ask for a sub, you know, and I yeah. know I'm not alone in this. Yeah. Like the guilt is draining <laughs> to the point where it's like, well, I might as well just freaking teach it. If I'm going to yeah. have like, you know, just universally, it's, it's not an easy thing. Like administrate administratively yes. to make happen, to, to find a sub last minute when you need it. But that's, you know, that's the the um, discussion that was going around this week about the um, uh, I forget what initiated it, but but it eventually got down to the idea of having like a union mm. for yoga teachers. Let's back up. I want to give context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, an acquaintance buddy of mine on Facebook, who's a teacher, her name's Sandy. Um, lovely, lovely, lovely human, um, has started a 30 day, I think it's called radical honesty challenge. And it's sort of like a big fuck you in the face of like 30 days for gratitude challenge, 30 days for this. And she's so generous in her honesty. Every day she posts something that's quote unquote, very real, like, She's, um, you know, she's, she's pregnant and she's a mom and doing beautiful, beautiful work by sharing some of what's going on in her life. And she's also a yoga teacher. So the fact that she's being really public about it, Mm -hmm. I just couldn't, I couldn't be happier about it. And I, and I hope more people follow suit because she's getting fantastic discussions going each day, you know, that that piss people off and excite people. And like, because she's not sugarcoating anything. She, um, so I'm not ready to do it myself because I feel like sometimes unrolled is my, yeah, um, but I love it. And I think that Facebook is, can be so, so harming to people when all you do is put out positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you what you build is this veneer, uh, this facade of of what a life looks like. Yeah. And then there, you know, when you go through and you see facade after facade after shiny set piece, what you end up thinking is that you are lacking. Yeah, you know, and absolutely. That's, and, and you're only producing those things because you think you're lacking. Like yeah. You're only putting up happy news after happy news yeah. after happy news because, you know, so having a healthy dose of, hey, what the fuck? 
Yeah. Of pain is is good. It actually alleviates suffering. Yeah. Um. Anyways, that's all to frame a, a recent post um, that she that I, I'm not going to touch on everything she said. I can't because it was too long a post. But um, it, one of the things she was talking about was the challenges of sustainability um, as a teacher and things she wants from studio owners. Yeah. Which is when you brought up. So, no, someone else, someone in there brought up the idea of like a union mm. or an or like that mm-hmm. was that was brought up as part of the discussion and and trust me I've thought about that like time and time again the problem is there are many problems um we are not an established profession how so and people aren't generally like there's so there's two there, I know people who are in two two boats generally. This is like a broad generalization. There are the people who are attempting to make their money just within the teaching of yoga. You know, whether they own a studio too or whether they like they, who are just really their their primary income <coughs> is coming from the teaching of yoga, either in the classroom or corporate or online. Or whatever the whatever the sort of conglomeration of of things may be, then there are people who either as a jumping off point or as a conscious choice have a part time or full time job and then have a you know small to even robust teaching schedule on the side. Mm-hmm. Now the problem with any sort of union is that. How do you account for the full range of people that like I want I want the person who, you know, works a nine to five desk job somewhere and did a teacher training and really is dedicated to their own practice of yoga to go in and be able to teach a cl- like one class a week and like let that be their experience and their ability to share yoga. Um, I have actually found that it's usually those people who tend to be a little bit more deserving of the benefits that, you know, a union employee <laughs> might might have gotten through collective bargaining. Um, you know, the other problem is, and this is what I think people don't understand, is that a, a functional union is not one size fits all. The musician's union, the Boston Symphony does not sign the same contract, does not have the same benefits as the New York Philharmonic, as the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, um, they just don't. And even if there are two orchestras in the same city, like in Chicago, there was the, there is the Chicago Symphony, there's the Lyric Opera Orchestra, there's like a bunch of different professional orchestras. They are not all on the same scale. They are not all on the same, uh, contract because it's working with different management. And even like, so I, I don't think it would end up being what, people what yoga teachers think it would be i think what would end up happening is they'd see a drastic drop in their take-home pay now it would be made up for in terms of like a pension plan and this and that and the other thing but i don't think at the end of the day they'd actually walk home with that much more money and i think it would absolutely tip the whole 
um, unless the union was put together in a smart way, which it could be, it would essentially put everybody who owns an independent studio out of business. Unless we were able to negotiate separately with the union. For, but then we would be allowed to pay lower. Like, it, 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 would, it would still end up being based on numbers. It would be like, oh, this studio is only fits 20 people, so, uh, you know, we will allow the scale there to be, um, uh, we will allow that scale to be uh, $40 a class. And so then no one would want to teach for independent yoga studios. They don't want to go teach for the big corporate outfits. Yeah. So it would totally tip the, it would totally screw anybody who's trying to run, <coughs> you know, um, and, uh, um, I just think it's a lot more, I've heard people call for that time and time again, and I think it's just a lot more complicated because we're a profession in which most of the people are not earning their living like their full-time living from the profession, specifically from the profession of teaching in a studio. Even if someone's making a full-time living being a yoga teacher, a good portion of that income is coming from outside of the studio context, <coughs> I would have to guess. Yeah. It's, yeah. So it's just... So it's like a very specific problem for a very small group exactly. of people. Yeah. Um, and in many ways, I mean, it's the same thing goes when you talk about like pay scale and benefits and sick pay and shit like that. Um, it's it's all a great idea, but it's it's kind of a it's a weird industry. Like it's it's just kind of it, it, we're kind of an anomaly, you know, um, and. Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, it's not like Pilates teachers have it figured out. You know, no, it's, it's like, like nobody's like got somebody it. Nearby nobody's got it. it. Yeah. Nobody's got it perfectly figured out. And um, certainly, the, our you know professional quote unquote professional organization doesn't have it figured out. Um, being Yoga Alliance. Um, yeah, a lot of the comments in that thread were. Oh yeah, there was someone like asking Yoga Alliance to do something, and I'm like. No, 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 that's a really bad idea. They're not going to get anything done. <laughs> like, they can get some things done in terms of, which they have, in terms of preventing, like, disastrous federal regulations for going through, from going through. That would really hinder our ability to work. Um, but uh, in terms of being a collective bargaining organization for teachers, that's, that's a, that's a <coughs> it's not a great plan. In the slightest. Um, and then there were some people that in the thread were saying, if you see a studio that's asking for a non-compete, go running for the hills. Yeah. That was a... And I don't... I actually don't... I don't... You don't have a... I don't have a non-compete, but I don't actually... I think that statement is incomplete. I think if someone is offering you... If someone is going to pay you a salary... And for the time that you're working there, they request that you not teach at, you know, a studio within a reasonable radius. And they are employing you full time. They're giving you a, a salary of, that is a living wage that you are comfortable with. And as long as the non-compete didn't have a clause that was in effect post 
termination or separation, whatever the legal term is, then I would say go ahead and sign it. Because they're paying you a legal, they're, they're paying you a living wage that you're happy with. And you get to have a home where you teach. And I think that that in, you know, that's a fair, you're, you're getting benefits by working for them full time. And they're getting a benefit by saying that this person is only going to teach for, for me for the time being. Um, so I don't think that's out of the realm of, of, uh, um, I don't think that's out of the ethical spectrum, though I think at you some, think the some state laws after. would would prevent it from happening if, if it got challenged. But I don't think in Massachusetts it would be a problem as long as it didn't prevent you from doing things afterwards. Um, but I could be completely wrong about that. But just on the like the the ethical like human level, I think that that's a fair trade off. But no studio is offering that to somebody. And they're certainly not offering it as an employee. Most studios still hire everybody as independent contractors because at most studios, everybody is an independent contractor to a certain extent. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I think these conversations, like especially like when I saw that thread, I was like, oh, this is a, this is a really... Um, it's potentially the best that one could hope for from a conversation via Facebook thread. Yes, like it that's was. what I was really like. I was like, "Oh wow, this is like people a are substantive like mm-hmm. conversation." The, it, uh, but and, it could only it can only go so far without having some sort of like like there has to be more interface between teachers not on a national level i'm talking about like within the city like within everybody's individual quote-unquote market like there has to be more of an interface and more of a communication because you know it, it will get to a point where there are only corporate operators in the city there won't be any independent studio owners in the city and, um, and even if they are independent, the only way they can be independent is by having like seven studios all pulling into the same pot. Um, and then you're essentially working with a corporate structure, structure. Yeah. anyway. So, you know, there will come a point where that will probably be necessary because we will probably have to say like, no, we're not getting paid $35 a class. <coughs> um, but wait. One of the things that was a big theme that was talked about in this thread that I want to make sure we touch upon is the oversaturation of the market because of teacher trainings. And this is something I've heard so much that I'm at the point, yeah, I'm at the point where, you know, there was part of me that was like, yeah, I can understand that as a multi-level marketing scheme for sure. But the, the truth in practice is that most people, I don't think even take 200 hours thinking, I'm going to go hit the ground running, leave my job and teach. No. And the people who do are so ambitious and sometimes so talented that they do. Yeah. They do. They hustle their tits off and they're in. Whereas yeah. the rest of the people are like, I wanted to go to camp yoga. I wanted to learn how to yeah. practice. I wanted to do this. And maybe someday I'll sub a class or I'll do, but, but this is not like this influx of new teachers that are banging down the doors. And who are undercutting what's being 
what people are being paid. Like, no. I, I mean, maybe at gyms. I've, I haven't taught a gym in so long that I actually don't know what the what the going rate or anything is. But certainly of other studio owners I talk to, like we're all paying kind of around the same. You know, especially if you think about it in terms of the scale of the studio, like everybody's kind of right at where they where yeah. they always have been. And there isn't a huge hunger for a very inexperienced yoga teacher. No, there's like, not. There's not like a. <laughs> so I, you know, I think when I first heard people making that noise, I got I was like, oh, is that true? Am I? And then I was like, no, you know, like every year that goes by that I'm a teacher, I become more valuable. Like, yeah. And I, I'm not going to freak out about yeah. a bunch of people that just took their teacher training. If anything, they become better students. There's, yes. there's a group of people that are taking yoga from more teachers that are committed to the practice. And it, it, and it does get back to... Now, mind you, I do think that there are some teacher trainings out there that, you know, where people come in expecting one thing and end up getting something that they feel sort of cheated by. But I think most teacher trainings now sort of, um, quote unquote, sell themselves as like, you love yoga? Great. Come enjoy this like very unique social experience where we're going to learn more about yoga and you'll get this 200 hour thing Mm-hmm. And if you feel like teaching afterwards, you get to teach afterwards. Yep. So it's, it, I don't think, like when I w- went to my first teacher training, it was very much in, it was very much that every training around was like, you're going to learn how to be a professional yoga teacher. You're going to learn how to be like, like it was very like uh, career oriented sort of marketing material. Yeah. Um, and now I don't see that as much anymore. Because it's so limiting for yeah, the marketing. Because exactly. there aren't many people that are like, oh, I just want a career in this. Some people are like, I fucking love yoga. What's the next thing for me to do? Yeah. And especially because, you know, as we've talked about a million times on almost probably like every other week of this podcast, mm-hmm. there's stuff that I learned in the course of just taking a normal public class that as the market has, as the paradigm has shifted towards yoga being more of just sort of a service that you go and, and get to experience, um, that there's not as much um, uh, exposition given to what the hell we're actually doing. There's not much, um, not nearly as much sort of technique and, and, um, uh, and there's also not as much, both on the part of the teacher and on the part of the student, not as much consistency. Like, it's rare that there's a, um, I feel like schedules at all of the, all of our studios are so rapidly, like, shifting and changing, and, and, um, it's not like teachers are going in, in the back of their mind, like, okay, so I've got these, uh, you know, two months ahead of me, and here's the, you know, curriculum that I want to teach over that two months, and I'm confident that everybody... Uh, even though it's a drop-in class, that they'll be, it'll mostly be the same people in each class. So they're going to get some like information about either this form or this concept or what, whatever the case may be. Um, and it's just sort of kind of random who ends up popping in. 
on that given day. And so you just, the teacher just has to respond to what is going on. And so there might be things that, there definitely are things that, and pieces of information and important pieces of context that are missed. And now, for better or for worse, the way that you get that context is by te- is by going and taking a teacher training. Um, yeah, that's is true. Is it a great model? No, it's actually a questionable model. But it's the it's the reality of the situation. Yeah. So you know that that that's the short answer for why I don't get freaked out about oh we have too many yoga teacher trainings. I don't think we do. I think they're yeah. I think they're great. Um, I think there's things to be questioned and things to be improved. Absolutely, but that is not something to fear. Um, the well, other that's, that's the thing about it is like if I spent my time freaking out about like every time I saw like a yoga teacher training graduation, then I'd drive myself insane. But I know that like. From doing group teacher training, from both taking and t- leading group teacher trainings before, that like a good portion of those people they don't want to teach yoga, they just want to practice, they just want to learn more. And then you know, even the people, even if the people out there who are like super ambitious and and really like, I remember being one of those super ambitious teachers. And even though I got out there and got to teach and. Um, uh, I quickly ran up against a lot of gaps in my knowledge. And so, like, I'm not worried about someone who just got out of their teacher training because that's silly. But also, like, I know how I taught back then and how I teach now and the evolution that has occurred there. And and I am a much better teacher now than I was. And that's logical. <laughs> um, and I, so there's absolutely no need to have this like fear mentality around the market being flooded. It just yeah. means that there are more people practicing yoga. The other thing, the other sort of common generic crankiness that pops in and out of almost every thread that I see is the person that says, and it's not a whole bunch of people that say this, but without fail, almost every yoga conversation I online has this person. This is why I stopped practicing yoga. Years ago, I used to practice one-on-one with my teacher, and it was a very in-depth experience where for five years I studied at the feet of my guru. And it's just not the same. The teachers are terrible. Nobody knows anything and that's why i just gave it up like this is a massive exaggeration but it's almost like i can hear the rustling of this person's caftan in their super expensive california bungalow that they're trying why are you in the thread if you quit i don't you quit you had your divorce wonderful we all get that but like what the fuck shit changes i don't understand why you have to get so scared of change and how the model is evolving that you completely dismiss and quit the practice. It makes me question how you ever felt about it in the first place, that it didn't, it didn't get carried with you in some form. But then, but also like, and, and so 
precisely like the fact that that person may have studied for a very long time. Um, they may not be practicing yoga asana anymore, but something, I mean, it's not like they just forgot about those five whatever years of study. Like something must have carried through effect either positively or negatively. Like either that's how they want to be or that's not how they want to be is fine. But something was a, was effective about it if they did it for that long and if they studied for that long. Um, the thing that is um, always interesting about those conversations is it's like, well, it was useful to you at some time, wasn't it? It was profoundly useful to sure, you at some time. And it, if it's not useful to you now, that's fine. Who knows what the hell my practice will look like in, in 10 years. The variation on this, same person, only practices at home and completely dismisses public practice. Yes. Which, for me, is a little different. Um, but also just smacks of entitlement and superiority in a way that I have a visceral response when I read that. I'm not saying that these people need to practice public classes. I just think the way they talk about public classes is so judgmental and hateful that it's like, do you not understand that that's the vessel that a lot of people yeah. can only experience yoga through? And and I have to say that, especially given 2017's unique political circumstances... I, there has never been a time where I could more understand someone really wanting to just go to a public class and practice with other people. Like, even if it's under the, like, myth in their head that everyone in there is sort of on the same sort of political, social, uh, you know, agenda, um, liberal, probably, agenda, um, which is probably not true, but even just the feeling of being in community however contrived that might be like i get that i i get i understand that that it that is a that is the main function of group practice is to be in a room with other people practicing and there is a container that is held that is uh for a lot of people very um wonderful and for other people very triggering but you know it you have to you you have to just take it for what it is. And uh, it's a very small slice of the population that either A, knows about, and and B, can afford ongoing private yoga. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So screw and do what you want. Practice how you want, but just think about how you talk about how other people yeah. do it. I say as I just yeah. did the exact thing. <laughs> Well, no, and this is this is why context is so important. It's just like, given a, a, having a brief conversation with any practitioner and knowing what their entry point is and, and perhaps even what, you know, method they say, I can get a pretty good sense for like, okay, this person has this, is going to have this bias. You know, if you studied for years in the Iyengar method, you're going to have a certain set of biases. If you study for years in the Ashtanga method, you're going to have a certain set of biases. If you've just practiced hip-hop yoga, uh, you're going to have a certain set of biases about how you like to practice. And that's fine. And I don't really need to interject myself, unless the person comes 
if they're coming into my office to work with me, I'm assuming they would like me to interject myself in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. But I'm not going to say, like, that's bullshit. I'm going to try and tease out what benefits they're deriving from that and what's working and what's not working. Mm-hmm. And then with what's not working, talk about, okay, well, maybe it's time to evolve this a little bit or develop some understanding around this or develop, you know, um, or find something that's more in balance with what you're, you know, It's okay to question origin. Yeah. yeah. Just because something is your, you know, it's like uh, most people that are raised a specific religion have a adolescence that forces them to confront their religion of origin if they have one and you know you take what is useful and you leave what's not but you certainly have a moment where you question your relationship with it so i you know uh but anyways sandy wonderful wonderful meaningful work on facebook and that's something that i think more yogi teachers more yogi teachers more yoga teachers can do is share um a more well-rounded presentation of themselves, even if they have to think of it as, well, my brand, that's very off-brand for me. It's I challenge you to question yeah. that, too, because it might not be. Yeah. I think being human and accessible is always on brand. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> we need to get that in, in quotes. So Matthew should put that on <laughs> the Patient yeah. Moon website. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, speaking of multi-level marketing, I just want to touch on this. Gem. Wait, was someone saying comparing teacher training to mar- multi-level yeah. Oh, marketing? Yeah, one of the comments oh, okay. was like it's essentially multi-level marketing. It's actually not in any way, shape, or form a multi-level. Like the definition. No, if if they if teacher training graduates got paid to get other people to, to sign just, uh, up, exactly, yeah, yeah, then. And then the people that signed up beneath them, they got a kickback of that exactly. in perpetuity, then yes. But yes. Um, it's not quite a multi-level. It's a it's a level marketing, but not multi. <laughs> it, you're literally paying for a service. <laughs> the service may be falsely marketed. I mean, it's tiered lead cultivation. A yeah. term I just made up. But, you know, you start as yoga student, student, student. Over time, you're groomed to be a potential yoga teacher trainee once that lead is acquired. Okay, so then... there are certain studios that shall remain nameless that treat their teacher training business like this, where they identify potential people and assign them as leads in the system and then try to, like... So, yes. Oh, God. Really? having... Of course. We would... We would the people who, at the end of the Back Bay training who are coming in, like, these were people who had heard from, like, their sister's best friend who dated someone who took the train, like, and, and just, like, found us completely randomly, some of them, like, yeah. and never been to the studio before and just came based on the the experience that someone else had. And those people who had that experience did not get any sort of kickback for that. So... <coughs> It can be done in a very organic way, but I do agree that it can start to get a little uh, in some of the in some of the other studios that I've seen. Uh, it can get a little tricky. Get a little sticky. It can feel very sales, but I still it defies the 
the definition of what multi-level marketing scheme is. Okay, so back to multi-level marketing companies. Um, this came up because I was listening to another podcast that I occasionally listen to, although I've been listening to it less because it's become very, very promotional. Um, it's called Yoga Crush. And, uh, you know, she's chugging along doing her thing, and I enjoy her show from time to time. But she had Elena Brower on, who had also been on Jay Brown. Yes. Um, and, you know, I the conversation took a sharp left yes, into did. doTERRA territory. And for those of you that don't know what doTERRA is, it's a multi-level marketing for essential oils um, and other products that are very in line with um, a lot of yogi lifestyle needs. Um, and I should back up for a second. I love working with local herbalists. Like I, f the, I was first introduced to like. <clears throat> essential oils and infusions and tinctures and all the different ways you can ingest herbs um, when I was in Vermont. Um, and I met a woman there who grew her own plants and did everything on her farm. And she made me these beautiful personalized things and um, was totally reasonably priced and just a lovely experience. And doTERRA is not that. It is... The product itself might be beautiful, but it is like a big corporate thing. And before we go down the road, I'm not necessarily bashing doTERRA, but it's always been like, well, why don't you find somebody local that's, yeah, yeah. you know, that'll whip you up something. There's tons of uh, professional and hobbyists like all over the place. Look on Etsy. You can get all of those products from real people. Um, so doTERRA is a way for, you know, you sell products and then you get people to sell the products and you get a kickback of anything they say, just like Mary Kay or um, Lady Fennell or there's been, you know, so many Tupperware brands. This is, there's a long history of women um, having, being part of multi-level marketing, being the, essentially the engine for it. And there's a long history of failure in that and women mm -hmm. losing money and storing tons and tons of overhead um, in their garages, of going bankrupt, of going deeply in debt. Um, and that, what bothered me about the podcast is Elena Brower had the audacity to say that it's the number one way women become millionaires in the country, and then she said in the world. And I paused for a second, I was like, well, wait, really? Yeah. Really? Because every time I look on Dateline, <laughs> you know, it's like an expose on how damaging these companies can be for women. And of course there are the outliers. There are the ones that we get testimonials from that they put on TV are the people that do super well, mm -hmm. you know, but these are often people that already have massive networks to begin with. But if you're just like Joanna Schmo. The likelihood of this being more than a hobby is not great. Yeah. Um, so I was really disappointed to 
to see somebody that whose work I I have had moments of admiration for um, go so deep down the multi-level marketing rabbit hole and it felt irresponsible how she was advocating for it but you know at the end of the day she has to because more people might sign up and then she gets more money for it and I don't ever begrudge women for making money Mm-hmm. Let me be clear, but not on the backs of other women that you yeah. potentially are taking advantage of, even if it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. You listened to it. What did you think? Confused. Um, I've met Elena a bunch of times. We hosted her at Back Bay. Um, like, and I've always had really, um, good and, uh, um, honest conversations with her when it's just been like one-on-one. Um, and, uh, this was well before the... The, the doTERRA thing was not even in the picture. Um, but uh, I just think that it's... It confuses the issue of like so so it's one thing if you're like going to teach a workshop and you've written a book or you're going to teach a workshop and you have an online course or uh you have some online classes that you have like especially if you're going to teach a workshop out of town that's just like a nice way like if people really want to continue practicing or get a refresher on the material you can point them in that direction and you can make a little passive income. I have no qualms about that. Um, and it's even, I think it doesn't feel as weird to like, if you're traveling somewhere and you have some, like when Tia's comes, they always brings like some Prajna yoga t-shirts and stuff like that. Like I, I don't even really have a problem with, with no, cause that. he's not asking other people to yeah, sell ex- it. Exactly. Um, but the, To have this other product that, even if you really enjoy the product, but that you're endorsing it in front of the classroom, just confuses the... It, it confuses the issue. It confuses the exchange that's happening. Um, and... Yes. I don't really know... Uh, yeah, I, I, it it was just really confusing. How do you trust the kindness of a teacher that's trying to potentially, or would be excited, or would, would be rewarded somehow by you doing X, Y, and Z yeah. with your money yeah. and them? That's yeah. terrifying. Just that. Yeah. But I mean, to a certain extent, I mean, that is a little bit what's happening when people go and do trainings with teachers but that it's you're you're exchanging for whatever reason because there's a product involved as opposed to 
a service, a, a service or an experience or uh, an educational experience, particularly, you know, um, and you're, you know, and, and at one point I think she said like, um, there was some comment about like re- rethinking the like hours for dollars paradigm and like. While I agree, it's it the hours per dollars paradigm is very challenging for yoga teachers because it, people just aren't willing to pay for a yoga class what they are for other things, um, and it, it makes making a living wage very difficult. Um, a certain level of passive income is okay and and great, but I, I want to be making that. I want to put in. I want to put in some work to make some money. Like I, I, that's just how my brain is programmed. Um, and it's a very, it makes the exchange very clear. Um, but on that note, uh, my landlord seems to be calling me like multiple times. So I think we're going to hit pause. Wonderful. And then we're pause it. Get back to it. Okay. Now we're really back. Okay. We're really back. <laughs> yeah, we had, this, really back. this was interesting. <laughs> we had a couple starts and starts, but both totally legit reasons. Ryan, the tender of, of space. Had an emergency call. Can I can I put that as my email signature? Tender of space. Shepherd of space. Tender of flocks. Yeah, you can. That'd be nice. We had a runny toilet. I was texting and speaking to the landlord. And I got multiple calls finally from my doctor's office because I've got a thyroid thing I'm dealing with and it's really hard to get in touch with them and they always call you back, but they always call you back at the worst time and their office is about to close so I would have to wait till tomorrow's lunch break and then I would be so mad and those bastards accidentally double billed me for an expensive test so I was, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't let it slide. Anyways, that's my public service announcement is pay attention to medical billing yeah Yeah. there are it's human error you know shit gets fucked up pay attention um so anyways back to closing up shop on multi-level marketing um wait this was interesting how many people do you know that have done uh have participated in some form of multi-level marketing at any point in very small handful okay and of that small handful how many continue to do it zero okay cool yeah, I have the same thing. A small group that was enthusiastic in the beginning, even sold me some things here and there, and I was supportive. And, um, you know, eventually stopped doing that. And none of them talk fondly of it in retrospect. Yeah. <clears throat> Anecdotally, I understand that it's not always statistically the most relevant, but... Yeah. I just, I think it's it's... I don't know that. It's not, I don't know that. I, do, I don't want to make my living as a teacher by saying, you know, oh, I'm going to sell this product or endorse that product, even if it wasn't a multi level marketing scheme. Like, if there's something that I really enjoy using, like a prop or a. Like, Pol- if Polar Seltzer came to me and were like, Kate, you know what? We know how much you love us. We would love to pay you a little bit and give you some unlimited seltzer if you would take pictures of yourself in various compromising positions with various bottles. 
I would consider it. And then politely decline. I don't know. I love How polar. Ma- yeah. I wouldn't do it for bottled water. And don't tell me that polar seltzer is bottled water. <laughs> I'll take you to the mat. And I'm a big girl. I throw down. It's different. It's a different animus. It's just, it, I, I don't know on how many, like. It's because at the end of the day, like, the the thing that people like Elena are selling, uh, it's they're selling their lifestyle. And, like, the products and the practice and the thing, like, it's all to just be like, look at my lifestyle. Look at my magic. Look at what surrounds my magical world. Yeah. Would you like to buy a piece of yeah. What would, what, just fun thought exercise. What would be the things that got sold from your magical lifestyle? I'll tell you what some of them would be. Um, that beautiful uh, espresso press, the hand oh, sure. press. Um, good coffee, good yeah. dark chocolate. Um, what else? Oh, you've got some natural deodorant that you wear. Oh, cushions filled with. What I can only assume is organic brown rice, <laughs> um, seated meditation props, scarves, <laughs> hoodies, slim fit hoodies. This is your lifestyle brand. Yes. What else am I missing? A couple of teas. Oh, a lemon water container. Some sort of thing that holds your Nana water. Sure. Am I missing anything? Um, probably a, probably a bottle of really good red wine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So that would be your life. Now guess what mine would be? Polar seltzer. Yes. Flannels. Oh, yes. <laughs> Polar seltzer. Flannels. And a box of Cheez-Its. There you go. A fine vintage. A yep. fine vintage box of Cheez-Its. Incense. There'd probably be an incense. Yeah, there'd be incense in there. There's probably be an oil. It wouldn't be doTERRA. Um, probably a witchy necklace. Oh, right. <laughs> a pendant. A, pe- a line of pendants. Get a monthly pendant. So that you get a... Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's, that's good yeah, to know. That's good. It's good that's to be good. honest. So that's we've right. totally buried the lead of this podcast. Oh. You sure have. Did you make it far enough to know? We are we are fifty podcasts old. Fifty podcasts old, man. We're moving at a clip. Um, though technically we are fifty-two. What? Because we've had this happen twice, where a podcast has been lost to the ages. What are you talking about? Is that where you... Is that... You do it, don't you? You abort them. No, I don't abort them. They that's just literally... Yeah. They no, don't... that's what happens. No, it's You not. didn't like it. No, it's you not. you killed it. Well, one, I was glad we lost because it was right after the... It was right after Back Bay got sold and we were... Like... We were angry. Like, it, it was not our best selves. <laughs> okay. It was so I was really happy that when I tried to download and that was when we were still recording on my iPad instead oh, yeah. of with the microphone. So when I tried to load it and it was just static and weirdness, I was like, Oh thank God. Oh. <laughs> and then the other one was that one we did with Circuity. Which was a really good which one. Which was really good and it's just lost to the Lost to the Ages. Damn it. Um so fifty. 
Yeah, so technically 50. So I I texted Kate earlier in the week and was and texted her a a photo of do those guys have names? Yeah, they do. Of of the muppets in the balcony that just heckle. <laughs> and I asked hey, her damn pig. <laughs> And I asked her, are we just these Muppets? Is that what our role is? Like, are we just contrary for the sake of being contrary? Waldorf and Statler. Which one are you? Oh, man, I'm Waldorf. Waldorf I'm... or Waldorf? I'm the one with bigger eyebrows. Yeah! <laughs> He's a pig and a frog. That's not like... Precisely. <laughs> um, yes, but go on. So I was just wondering if we're just... Muppets in the balcony, just being contrary for the sake of being contrary. Well, yeah, that's how this whole thing started. Um, we are. I And when you sent that to me, it made me feel guilty for a minute. I was like, oh. Well, that's why I sent it to you in a moment of guilt. Oh, is he right? And I think the answer is yes, in part. Yeah. There is um, always fertile ground when you are looking things through when you're observing the world through a critical lens. Yeah. Um, there's endless opportunities for creativity when you're, yeah. when you're, when you're questioning things. I have never just historically been afraid of, um, asking questions of, or poking at things. Yeah. Like uh, some people are built differently. They, they think that that is an affront to to, it's personal, you know. Yeah. It's deeply personal, and I, there is just the nature of how I'm built. It is not ideas are not super personal. Like so, I can disagree with somebody virulently, and I'll hold true to my opinion. But just because somebody, yeah, like it's not inherently a bad thing. And I think that there's a lot of anti. Uh, critical thought that, that runs through not only our culture at large, but it, yoga, yoga culture. culture yeah. And I, you know, I went to school, you know, grad school, all we did was pick each other apart, you know, yeah. but then we went and had a beer or, you know, that's when I drank beer, but we'd go out and we'd be social together because we were all in it together and we were yeah. all producing art and that's what mattered. Yeah. But when we were in the workshop, we, to as respectfully as possible, we tore to shreds. Yeah. And we all became better because of it. So I think that's a lot of the origin of Unrolled. Um, but, you know, because we do this with regularity, it can start to feel like... Do we do we not celebrate enough? Mm. Maybe that's the issue. We, we're not saying what's going... Maybe we need a new segment that's what's going well. I I think so. Because that's the same critique that I've leveled at Remsky is that he never points to or not a few times more and more he tries to but it, his his instinct is like ours is not necessarily to point to what's going on and when he has it's been very um, like 
it's still been within the realm of like, oh, look, this teacher has this unique way of looking at things. It's like, yeah, of course the teacher has a unique way of looking at things. It's a human being who's not you. It's a unique way of looking at things. Like, <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, we take for granted, though, that people know that we have a positive relationship with yoga, you know? Because yes. this is an outpouring of the, the, the shit we have umbrage with. Yes. <laughs> you know, and it's not often a, oh my god, I love my job. Oh my god, no. I, I love this portion of yoga. Or I had a beautiful practice the other day with a teacher. and Yeah. You know, and, and the reason that you and I don't veer in that direction is because, A, it's assumed between us that we're still in love with yoga. Yes. And B... So much of what's pumped out into the yoga universe um, is that. Yes. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, and 30 days of optimism isn't what everything's fucking Oh, my God. The universe is soaring and vibrating with perpetual optimism. That it's like, I have never felt the need to feed that wolf. Yeah. Um, but I could see it in the context of this podcast, us taking a moment to reflect on things that we uniquely think are working well. Yeah within a paradigm that might be flawed. Yeah. You want to start? <laughs> um, I feel like I was in the thread that we were talking about earlier on Facebook. I, w I was like, oh, there are, you know, she's managed to use this particular forum of Facebook in a way that didn't get bogged down in, in too much bullshit and was really encouraged by that. But was also encouraged by I don't know, I do see that there is a need and, and actually I, I think a desire to have a you know actual yoga community. <coughs> and I think the the thing that makes that challenging amongst teachers is that I think there's a subtle feeling of like Oh, if I hang out with other teachers, everyone's going to find out that I'm a fraud. I'm going to be exposed in some way. Um, because we were all trained with this, like, this is the right way to do this. At least I was. I'm not trained like that anymore. But that was like, this is how you do triangle pose. 
This is how you do it. And we're not trained to think about yoga. As a, we're not we're not trained to think about yoga. We're told that it's a process, but we're not really told how to in, engage in that process. And the texts that we have don't really speak to hatha yoga in the way that we practice it today. So it's not like we can point to something else to tell us how to do it. All we have is to point to other practitioners who have been practicing for longer. Um, and, um, I love how you're positive thing. (laughs) Weedled its way back around. No, but that's, but I'm saying that like the, the positive thing is that I do think that there is, is, um, I do think that the urge is there, which I'm not sure that I would have said that two years ago. Mm. I'm just saying it's hard to capitalize on that. Oh, the urge for communication and conversation about yeah. what the fuck we're doing is yeah. definitely building volume. I think something that's going well is every form of yoga or fill in the blank mm-hmm. is pointing to a larger audience being invited and interested in the practice and if that's their doorway in that's fantastic Mm -hmm. so every time there's like a yoga for psoriatic arthritis amongst taiwanese immigrants in iowa like (laughs) the the more it's like aha we're inviting a new group somebody has identified a need and is sent out sent out a signal sent out the bat mm-hmm. signal um so i i get excited the more of those i see because i don't think what they do is pull people out of i think i think it brings more people in and equips them to be uh more frequent practitioners or practitioners at all so that's something i think is going quite well is that a pregnant pause or are you Mm -hmm. shutting down no that's a pregnant pause This is like intellectual man spreading. <laughs> Close your legs and spit out your thought. <laughs> I'm like, can I sit there? No. No, I can't. <laughs> oh. I think the positive things that happening that are happening in the yoga world are 
things that actually you and I would get to see. We wouldn't get to see? No, because I think the positive things that are happening happen in more, even in the context of a group class, in one-on-one moments between someone who's leading the class and someone who's taking the class, um, or just between someone who's taking the class and themselves. I think that's what, that's why, like, because how do you talk about that? That's why it leans towards critical, because what we're struggling with is um, trying to take this thing that is deeply personal and uh, also very interpersonal and scaling it outward. And in scaling it outward, (coughs) there's a lot of missteps. Because a lot of us scale outward before we can really understand what's happening with our own practice and then understanding what's happening between, you know, us and sharing it with a small group of individuals. Um, And, uh... um, And I think that's, that's the difficulty. I mean, that's the, that's what, that's what we're constantly talking about is people trying to scale and it just sort of either, you know, missing some perspective or uh you know utilizing something that's not something that we like ethically and morally yeah <laughs> you know uh so it's it's uh I don't know, Kate. I think maybe we are. Maybe maybe what what the yoga world needs is the Muppets in the balcony. And the reason why the Muppets in the balcony are useful is because we're at least breaking out into laughter every five minutes. <laughs> ah, look at the pig! And not, <laughs> and not writing, like, nine-page academic-style articles. <laughs> like, you know, like, maybe maybe the Muppets in the balcony are, are exactly what we're meant to be. Meant to be. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Um, all right. Switching to the word of the week, which you'll, this is fun. So I had picked up Saturnine, but then I was like, oh, that's too negative. What about lugubrious? And then I realized lugubrious means looking or sounding sad and dismal. And (laughs) Saturnine means slow and gloomy. So my my brain in its ever ever mystifying and bedazzling wisdom <laughs> picked out the same fucking word. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Use it in a sentence. Happy fiftieth. Happy fiftieth anniversary, Ryan. You lugubrious bastard. <laughs> Where's my present? <laughs> um. Well, if you made it this far, thank you and. We'd We're love sorry your feedback. For the technical difficulties there. Yeah, yeah, that was spicy, huh? Um, like us on Facebook. 
send us an email. Send it. If you've been thinking of it, just take a second, put a Trisket in your mouth, and send the damn email. We want to hear. Be a Trisket. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Is it a flavor? Maybe it's Trisket? a wheat thin. Maybe it's a barbecue chipotle wheat thin, which I have at home, and I'm gonna go eat. That um, sounds awful. It is. It's covered in garbage powder, but I love it. I love garbage powder covered cracker products. <laughs> That would be in your lifestyle brand. It would. <laughs> Garbage powder covered carbs. <clears throat> lifestyle. God. I know. I'm not going to feel shame. Um, yes, I am. <laughs> uh, uh, Facebook, else? Instagram, email. Write us a review. A review would be awesome. It's It's been 50 years. Literally 50. 50. Um, Take good care of yourself, and we look forward to uh, hearing from you and talking again. Bye! Bye. (laughs) Why are we even doing that? (laughs) We got issues. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.